Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Good, Alex. How are you? Very good. Uh, we're joined on December 16, coming down the home stretch towards uh, holidays for you. Yes. Yeah, school's winding down. Um, so uh, welcome to School of Thought, the podcast. I am Alex Van Tal. Uh, what label will I pick this week? I will call myself a researcher this week. Like that. That's good. I've been nerding good. out. Uh, and I'm a parent and I'm a, I'm a teacher as well, but not currently in practice. And I'm sitting with Jeff Hopkins, who is the principal educator at the Pacific School of Innovation and Inquiry in Victoria, BC. Website, www.learningstorm.org. I sometimes forget to give the website. So Good. yes, Good. now we've got it. Yep. So how's your week? It's, uh, you know, it's hairy coming into the holidays. Indeed, it's been, you wind it up and then you wind it down. So it's been, we're just kind of at the peak between those two right now. So, but it's good. It's going well. It's going well. Yeah. We good? I think teachers are, are looking forward to a very well-earned rest. I think this year, maybe more than any other, um, we're just not allowed to see anybody. But other than that, it'll be, it'll be good. That's <laughs> yeah, going to be a weird one, hey? Yeah. Yep. All right. So today we're going to talk about um, one of, one of the 20 convictions that you have put together. This, we're, we're on number 13. Um, they're not in any order that matters to anything other than just itemizing them. But today we're going to talk about how the co-construction of the learning pathways at your school and with your model, the co-construction of the learning pathways is possible and preferred. So yeah. there's a few words slash terms slash thinkings in there that we'll break down. Um, but give me the high level, what do you mean when you say the co-construction of the path learning pathways um, is possible and it's preferred? Um, it means a bunch of different things, but I guess the big ones are that it's not, so the learning, the learning pathway is not one that is passed down from on high. So it's not a teacher in, you know, what often feels like private practice where the teacher decides you know, this is what my unit plan looks like. So this is what my lesson plans look like. Um, I'm going to plan everything myself, and then I'm going to unload it on my learners, or my students when they come into the when they come in the room. Um, nor is co-construction uh, a free for all where where the learner comes in and says, "Stay away from me, everybody. I'm going to do whatever I want." Uh, it's in between there, and it's a it's a partnership really between the school or the or the teachers in the school and the learners where they are going through an inquiry process, but there's somebody right beside them um, as their partner in learning. Right, and, uh, and when we were kind of getting all um, sorted and settled for this episode, um, you, you mentioned that this is not, sometimes you get the question or the comment that this is self-directed learning that's happening yeah. at your school. So yeah. how do you, yeah. how do you, how well, do you I just, I say, I just tell people, no, it isn't, <laughs> but um, I, I know what they mean. And I, I think what they see is they see a lot of, um, you know, learner agency. They see we are an inquiry-based school. And, and in our case, the learners get to decide what their starting questions are in all of their inquiry processes. Um, it is very personalized, mm -hmm. but um, it is not self-directed learning in the sense that it's not people either self-directed also means too many things, but it's not them yeah, going to say. workbooks going, deciding what workbook to work on next, yeah. but nor is it um, someone just saying, I just, I can just do whatever I want. Um, 
I mean, they kind of can do whatever they want in a sense, but there's a, there's someone there with them. So we know what they're up to. We know where it's going. There's, there's intention behind what they're doing. Um, there is an attachment to a curriculum as well. So that we kind of know all of the stuff you're doing in some way will touch on the things that we say that you must do in BC to graduate. Um, and also that you're challenging yourself appropriately, all the other things we've talked about before, like you're in the, the zone of proximal development, yeah. not just kind of wasting your time, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So the nudging, all, all of those things that we've talked about before is yeah. all part of the co-construction. So um, we'll go deeper into the co-construction for sure, but um, just something that you were saying a moment ago makes me want to ask, um, Tell me again the, the pattern of sort of checking in with the learners. Like, um, I know you've got routine check-ins, but also tell me, because because some some learners will be more self-directed than others, right? They just Absolutely. will. Okay, so how, how how do you how do you um, read that and make those check-ins at the right times? Well, one thing is we do check in really frequently. So the check-in, but you're right, the check-in could look very different depending on what someone needs. So the check-in could be, um, how does your day look? Um, do you, are, you, are you working towards all your goals? Do you need anything from me? Um, and then there might be some specific questions as well, because some people will be, yes, everything's fine. And even if it isn't. And so right. uh, the, the, uh, the underneath part of that is our learners all use a planning tool called Trello. And mm -hmm. we can see specifically what they have planned for themselves that day, that week, um, working towards those goals in those, in those inquiry lines of inquiry. So that question is, is a, you know, partially informed already by the teachers having access to some of the work that the learners have shared with us. Um, so really, sometimes the question can be very specific, like, oh, I see that today you're planning to do X. Do you have everything you need to do that? Like, for example, we had somebody doing a psychology, uh, kind of an observational experiment to start to develop a hypothesis. So they're going to watch people in a particular setting um, for a while. And the, and the question was, how are you going to capture that information? And as far as they thought that through was, I'm going to have a white piece of paper and a pen. And so it's like, okay, that's probably not, you know, you might want to have more than that because it's going to be fast and furious as you decide what to write down. So we talked about a way of creating a, a bit of a thing that would capture things so that you can record them quickly so you don't miss anything. Um, and then it's going to be easier for you to code it. And, you know, little things like that. So we, we just get a little, maybe one step, we're not really ahead. We're we're a lot. We are literally alongside the learner, right. making sure that they have what they need, even if they don't know they need it. Sometimes. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the um, that's the difference between that's the advantage of being the adult in this situation is that you know with with your life experience you have access to a wide variety of ideas that this young person won't necessarily have. So when you say you're just sort of walking alongside. Yeah, you don't have the answer, but you've got a lot of uh, places, possibilities, people, you know, philosophies, theories, understandings to draw on to, to then help them on their path. Absolutely. And sometimes those experiences are things that we've done with other learners. Like uh, right. we have somebody right now who's starting a, an online store and they, they were some, there were some things that they were not sure about it or didn't even know to ask about it. I said, how are you going to do this part? And like, oh, I don't know. It's like, well, we have, we have another learner do this and here's what, here's what they ended up doing after some trial and error. 
and the you know might not want to do the errors <clears throat> and they were like oh yeah that's that's a that sounds really good so away they went so it was our experience but really a vicarious experience through another learner um yeah. and then also we are the the connector sometimes too so that that help could be I think you should go over there and talk to that person because they're doing something that goes really well with what you're doing and you should you would hit it off so we're often we're we're connecting inquiries too awesome i want to talk a bit about trello i mean it's a project management tool yeah. i believe i actually discovered it i believe i discovered it through my first interactions with um sci which is the short form of the name for your school yeah uh, and i use it now a lot for my project management so um do you you all have access to the learners trellos so you yes. can see oh yeah and yeah. how do you keep them accountable for updating it though like because i could imagine some learners would be really good at itemizing things right yep. and putting their questions down and writing down you know areas for research and i could see others not not being very good at that at all so how do you how do you get around that well you know it's it's honestly it, it in itself is part of the learning and so there are people who are they love it and like after one second with it everything's color-coded and created <laughs> seven new trello boards of their own and, you're, and they said you know you could do this and you're like no i didn't know you could do that um so some of them are absolutely incredible at using the tool like i've never seen before so others are just like they're not used to planning anything so part of it is being at the school and saying you gotta plan stuff is, is this good or do you is there something you got that's better and quite often they'll go actually this is probably better than anything else i've got so it's just a habit building kind of a checking in helping people do it again co-constructing is sometimes sitting beside somebody saying let's update your trello together today um let's let's look at a way you could do that i, I will say though yeah. the tool is so easy to use and so visual that for the most part the learners really like it they actually yeah. don't like some other things that we do like the portfolio but they really like they really like trello um yeah. and you can connect everything else to it so if you've got a bunch of things on a google doc you can put the link to the doc right in your trello yeah. um it's it's you don't have to recreate it uh, on the trello board itself yeah and we've also pre-populated some trello columns so that you work um we, we mm -hmm. built it on a, a scrum methodology which is a a project management kind of system that mm -hmm. essentially works from left to right and you move things from left to right in states of doneness so the far left column is just your starting points your questions you move through that to building out your learning activities to you know very specific aspects of your learning activities into a done column where you and you slowly drag the little boxes across yeah. Your that's one of the most satisfying parts of using trello it's like it gives you that same i don't know is a dopamine hit that you get when you crumple up a sticky note right because it's like i did that one it's a good it's a very good feeling, <laughs> it's a good and, feeling. Then, and we can we can also mention or, or use the at symbol with our learners in trello and flag them and say hey i found this resource you, you'd like this so co-construction again like you should read this article um or talk to this person and they can flag us to say I really need help. I cannot. I am trying to find a good article on unified field theory, and I can't. And so, you know, we we use it as a communication tool, actually, too. Um, it's a really powerful tool. We we're using it more than I actually thought we would. <laughs> and again, mo most learners, once they have help, um, they're they really like it. Huh. Um, okay, I'm just writing down an idea for an episode about. Uh, <laughs> lines of communication because there's lots in there we could unpack 
Okay, yes. let me bring yeah. let me bring us back to um, thank you for the Trello dive. That's always worthwhile. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the co-construction of the learning pathways. Now, I want to ask, um, why is it preferred? Like, why is this a better way uh, of educating rather than what did you say at the beginning of the podcast? You said it's a it's almost <laughs> like teachers are in private practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. It, it, feels, is it feels like that sometimes. Yeah. I think, I mean, a couple of reasons. And I mean, one is just uh, the the ownership that someone has, like from the learner's point of view, when they're part of that co-construction, as opposed to the teacher just delivering it to them, there's some engagement, some ownership, it's less passive. Um, in, a lot of, in a lot of schools, you know, someone might say, what are you gonna do today in math? And then the kids have no idea. Like, it's not their responsibility. They're like, I don't know, I'll find out when I get there. Um, in our school, the teacher might not know. <laughs> so, although we probably do, but the learner would definitely know. They'd say, what are you going to do today? It's like, well, at one o'clock I'm doing this thing because of this. And, you know, they're very involved in what their learning activities look like, um, when things are due, what they have planned for themselves. Um, but then the flip side of that, the, the co-construction is, is the not just go do whatever you want. And, you know, some people, I think without that kind of uh, walking alongside would could really be at loose ends or could go down rabbit holes that don't kind of take them towards their goals very much. And they might find themselves, you know, after a period of time, like maybe there's some point at which you check in to report and it's like, wow, you haven't really done <laughs> anything that you set out to do. Um, so we don't want to let it just go that far without somebody being there. And really it, it doesn't, it's like every day we're checking in with people, so. Yeah, so you, and and that again, you know, that adds to um, the feeling of being seen, you know, so your, uh -huh. your learners feel seen, they feel cared for, they feel like someone is out there shepherding them, which all, you know, that builds trust and loops back, you know, it's a good feedback loop for the, for the community as well. Definitely. So, so many advantages. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's got a lot of advantages. Um, and, and really, the other part about it that's also quite interesting is that because there's an agreement almost about what a learner is going to do um, with you know, some coaching and understanding and support from the, from the teacher that um, it's not a matter of like, go do that and then how come you didn't do it? It's like, everybody knows that that is what the person wants to do and is going to do. So it's not a, there's no resentment about something, something someone has been assigned because they assigned it to themselves with yeah. the teacher. So the teacher thinks it's valuable and the learner thinks it's valuable because we did it together. Yeah. So no one thinks, oh, that thing you did was frivolous or why didn't the teacher give me that stupid thing to do? Um, mm -hmm. It's it, everyone moves ahead happily. You said um, that, you know, the one of the advantages of the of co-constructing the learning is that it it gives a sense of ownership. Explain yeah. why that is a good thing for a developing human. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, some it's just functional, just ownership means that someone's more likely to follow through on it. So that that's important. But then, um, yeah, development wise, and as, as um, people are developing uh, executive function ability, for example, um, being kind of in the driver's seat on some things is very powerful. And it's a good experience for someone to have to sit to again, to understand that they've got, they've got power in the situation, they've got agency, they've got they've got some control over aspects of their life that in other systems, they may not feel like they have any control over. Um, and it's real control. It's not, it's not fake. And it's also not, 
like you're responsible for things, but you don't have any, any control over them. That's a terrible feeling. Right. Um, so it's so, like that sweet spot, right? Where we're going to give you just enough that you could, you could definitely trip over your shoelaces, but yeah. you're not going to fall off the cliff. Yeah, we're not going to let you fall off the cliff. We're, yeah, that's, that's a really good way to put it. Um, and, you know, again, it's so personalized that there's some people we let them, you know, run pretty far before, you know, kind of grabbing on. But yeah. it just depends on the person and what we think they need at the time. And some people you just don't, you just want to let them go just because they, they've never, you can just tell they've never had an opportunity to do that before. And they, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, it's like when you take a two-year-old and you stick them outside in a, on a lawn and bare feet, they just run. It's like, mm -hmm. let them run. It's like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> That's what they want to do. So yeah. a lot of our learners, when we, when they come here, they've never, ever had an opportunity to co-construct learning before. And um, they usually like it. Um, they don't always though. <laughs> um, but once they get, once they get the hang of it, they usually want to run. Yeah. And I know you've said before that there's a bit of an onboarding process, right? You know, like sometimes you get that fight, flight, freeze response, like a freeze response when people come to Psy because they're like, I don't even know where to begin, yep. you know? So yep. you have to kind of get them over that hump and then get them to trust. You know, I can see it being a bit of a process, trust themselves, trust the teachers, trust the process. Yeah. And it's so personalized too, that sometimes I think people don't know it right at the beginning. They go, oh, this is great. I can learn all the things I'm interested in. They're really important to me. But then you are bringing so much of your real self to the school and exposing it that that can be a little bit daunting too. Like right. every day I'm working on things that are, <clears throat> you know, exposing my core values and beliefs and, um, you know, investigating my deepest philosophical questions. And it's like, yeah. I would really like someone to just give me a worksheet right now. Yeah, that makes sense. I had not actually thought of that, but you're right. If, if learning is to be meaningful, not always, but it often will be deeply personal. So there's that element of trust as well. Yeah, that's, it's very, and I hadn't thought of that actually, to be honest, when we started the school, I just mm -hmm. thought what a joy it will be for people to work on things that are, you know, near and dear to their hearts. And, and it is, but, there are times when you just go, I just, this is too much of me out there that I'm yeah. sharing all the time. So yeah, trust is really important. The co-construction has to, you know, make sure that we're not tromping on people or um, ever giving someone the impression that something that they're doing is, um, you know, some, any kind of a criticism against them as a person or, you know, their values or beliefs or anything like that. Um, just helping them learn, that's it. Yeah. Wow. I could see, I mean, this is just such a teaching in an environment like this would, would bring you very quickly to a coaching approach, you know? It Absolutely. It does. I mean, we've even talked about, you know, maybe we should call ourselves coaches, but sometimes we are also teachers where we are the person who has the, you know, the knowledge that we, you know, that we're, you know, imparting. Um, yeah. I don't even know what we should call ourselves, to be honest, but sometimes it's coaching, sometimes it's mentoring, sometimes it's teaching. Yeah. Sometimes we're learning alongside, sometimes we're met, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, but yeah, coaching for sure. Um, probably most, most often. Yeah. I want to, I want to ask you, um, if I think about teachers who are in a traditional school setting, um, squeaky chair, sorry, uh, in a, in a more, um, you know, there's just a few more guidelines, a few more rules that you have to kind of color within the lines. What, what tips would you give? Like, how can people 
begin to enable the co-construction of learning but not yet, you know, if they're not in a, in a full inquiry model like Psy. I think there's a lot of steps you can take. Um, I, I was actually just having a nice Twitter conversation with somebody late last night about this, a newish teacher who- As is Jeff's tendency. By the way, people, if you haven't discovered Jeff on Twitter, go check it out because he's very active. Carry on. <laughs> I, lo I loved her. But anyway, I'll get into that another time. It's just, to me, it's the equivalent of the punk mosh pit. And you got to go in there and you're like ready and you're right in there. It's just great. But anyway- Enough about that. Um, it's it's that. my analogy for Twitter. Um, but uh, I find it to be an incredible place for the educational community. It's actually one of the best places I've ever found for sharing ideas um, and debating things. It's just wonderful. But this this new teacher was asking this question, and it, and so the, anyway, the answer was, um, you know, they were an English teacher, and it was like, well, when you're assigning, I don't know, like let's say a creative writing project to a class. Um, first of all, give them as much freedom as possible in terms of like subject and all that sort of thing, but also um, ask them what their writing goals are and, you know, ask them in an assessment kind of conversation, what would you like me to watch for? What do you want me to pay attention to? Mm, um, yeah. What are you working on right now? And what would you like me to pay attention to? And then all of a sudden, everything is personalized and they are now involved in the assessment process, which means they're really involved in the assignment. They're co-constructing the assignment. And so they might say, oh, I'd really like you to pay attention to my, you know, how natural does the dialogue seem in my, among my characters in my story. And someone else might be, I really want you to make sure that I have complete sentences. Um, they're two completely different sets of goals. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher, it liberates you, you know, from the, you know, the tyranny of the red pen, which is, I'm going to mark every single thing on this paper that is wrong or awkward or whatever. There may be things that you want to bring to their attention, but if you the focus is what the learners said they want the focus to be, they're more than likely going to look at what you have to say. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I, I used to be the other kind of English teacher, which is mark, 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 and then you hand it back and the kids go, what's the mark? They go, you know, eight out of 10, it's gone. They don't read anything you wrote because they don't care because it doesn't matter. Because it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I see this is an easy way to... Uh, like anybody can do it from from where they stand right now you know Absolutely. yes definitely. definitely okay well that's very cool um now did we cut like did we unpack everything around this one uh that the co-construction of learning pathways is possible a and preferred b yeah i think i think possible probably was your was your last question and i know that some people will say there are courses and subjects where it may not seem as possible like they might say well how do i do this in math um, mm -hmm. or how do I do this when I don't even know if the learners have a language to, you know, to cope, to be a partner in this construction. And so I think part of the, I guess, the, the toolbox you have to have as a teacher here is you need to help people learn how to construct their learning. So part of the learning is very meta, but learning how to construct learning. So we spend a mm -hmm. lot of time talking to learners about, you know, how do you set a competency goal? Um, how do you know what it is that you're setting out to learn? How do you, how would you know if you learned it? How would a teacher check for understanding? Um, that, as a teacher, I think that's one of the hardest things there is, is checking for understanding. Um, <clears throat> you know, so the learners actually gain kind of a literacy that they wouldn't normally get when they're a passive recipient of the lesson. And so they're, they're learning how to do this as a skill in and of itself. And so that's really important, I think. 
That's really important. And again, that's one of those 21st century skills that is going to really differentiate um, people who can be self-directed in the workplace, um, who can educate themselves. You know, uh, I think we've talked before about how interesting the next number of years will be to see the shifts in the post-secondary landscape. Because um, again, on Twitter, there's a lot of really great conversations about learning and one of the things I've seen recently is, uh, you know, an increasing observation that you're going to be teaching yourself. So, you know, you're going to choose your own learning pathway. There's nothing you can't actually teach yourself, except for there are certain schools that, you know, if you're going to be a health practitioner or an engineer, you need that learning. Yes. But, you know, for, for going down your own rabbit holes and deciding what you're going to up your game on, right, you can do a lot of that learning on your own. So this, you know, learning how to construct learning is a super valuable competency to be to be helping these people get. Yeah, I think I think it is. And it was quite cute. The other day, I was watching one of our learners using the language that we use to help them learn how to do this with another younger learner. We have wow. a dark room here at the school this year. And um, one of our one of our kids has pretty much single handedly constructed the dark room and is teaching other people how to use it. But um, she was talking to another learner saying, um, there's like 10,000 things that I can teach you about the darkroom. Um, what is it you'd like me to focus on? Like, what, wow, would you, right. what would you like me to focus on for you as you're kind of doing your first, you know, set of prints? And I was just, and I was just listening to going, wow, yeah. good, <laughs> good, good teaching. And Absolutely. she also said she's finding it. She really likes teaching things to people. So it's, it's kind of neat to see it happening. We've yeah. also had some learners who worked with mentors and um, where we, we just talked to a geneticist yesterday with a couple of kids and they were asking questions about gene editing and things like that. And I, I don't know, it's like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't even know half the things that she was saying, um, but um, they were good enough at knowing how to construct their own learning that they, they could take this expert who isn't a teacher and help them tell them things in a way that allowed them to do what they were trying to do for their learning goals. So they, they knew how to ask questions of this person to turn them into a good resource for them because they know how to do that. Instead of just, I'm just gonna let the person talk and then see what happens. They, they kind of took control of the, the interview with this person who should have probably been really intimidating to them um, right. and wasn't. And it was yeah. really, really nice to see. Yeah, that there's a huge value in <clears throat> um, learning to shape your own questions, right? Like much of the learning, this is, this is pretty cool, this example that you've given, because in order to shape good questions, you have to have a handle on the information you are seeking, right? Yeah. Yes. It's, it's like a, 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 a bit of a feedback loop, so. It is, it really wild. is, a loop, yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, I, I just have to say, like, as we wind this one down, I got to say, I'm so stoked for the next one, which is, oh, yeah, we'll, me too. <laughs> we'll just do a little teaser. It's about self-regulation. So yeah. uh, Jeff and I are really excited about, you know, we could, we'll just be having a week long session for that one. <laughs> That'd be really long, yeah, marathon, bring your, bring yeah. something to drink and uh, pajamas and yeah. yeah. Bring your, <laughs> bring your food and get everything all settled around you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Always good to chat with you, Jeff. And uh, for everybody who's who's watching and listening and learning, uh, share this far and wide. Uh, School of Thought is, there are many more thoughts to come. 
And the idea here is, uh, what was it? Spreading, democratizing access to transformation literacy. This was a statement. I like that. That was, yeah, I like that. Jeff and I were talking about that before we, before we hit record today. So that's that's the whole point of this podcast is to get, you know, here's some tools. Here's what's possible. Here's a person who's done this for seven, eight years, and it's possible. Here's you know, all the supports that we can give. We're gonna give. Uh, so yeah. So Jeff, thanks for being game to do that, and everybody who's listening, thanks for being game to uh, try it out. Yeah, thanks. We'll co-construct this learning with you. Yeah. We're doing it. I'll see you next time. <laughs> see you next time. Thanks, Alex.